Cool. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, as Kirsten's mentioned, my name is Luke, and uh, we're we'll continuing on our uh, Hebrew series today. Um, I just really encourage hearing uh, the youth uh, just stories, really, what God is doing, and really getting behind them. Um, the next generation, as every generation goes, another one comes, and just hearing uh, them stepping out in new ways. This is what it's really about, isn't it? And um, yeah, just really encouraged. By that. So we come into our penultimate passage today in our Hebrew series. Um, we heard from Tim Virgo last week. He spoke on three occasions where uh, different people exercised faith uh, towards God. Uh, firstly was the Red Sea opened up for the children of Israel. You know, Moses, uh, with the man of God, was chosen to uh, deliver Israel from Pharaoh. Uh, the walls of Jericho fell down. Uh, they went round seven times, didn't they? And it just fell down. And... Um, when we think about these things, it's sometimes just reading it, you're like, wow, how did this happen? Like, did this really happen, Lord? But yet it's written in here, so it, it happened. And um, we also hear the prostitute, uh, Rahab, gave hospitality to Israelite spies uh, when they were you know, spying out to go to Jericho, and she was spared. And all these uh, different people exercised faith towards God, and God proved himself faithful to them. So, what is faith? Well, we've been going through these last two months about different people of faith. So, I'm just going to remind us of the biblical definition of faith. Now, in the original language, it means pistis, which really means it's God's divine persuasion. Uh, we become persuaded, and then we come to trust. So, it's God's divine persuasion upon us. So, God convinces us, we're like, oh, wow, this is really it. You, you really are alive. And then we come to trust. So, faith is not generated by our own efforts. It's not something that we whip up. Uh, you know, it's not just this kind of flash in the pan feeling. Actually, faith is something that is originated from God. Because if we, the created, were capable of create, like, even believing God for anything, it says in Psalm 14, there's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. So none of us can come to God in our own initiative. But God grants us this special privilege to draw near to him through faith in Christ Jesus alone. Faith is spiritual, faith is entirely a work of God within the soul, and we can only receive faith as God gives it. So really, we're in the hands of God. We're really, God has to kind of show us and convince us in order for us to trust. And here we see a room full of people that have made that step to follow Jesus Christ. God's just given faith, and we responded. We did not choose him, but he chose us. We just respond to him. So, in Romans 12, verse 3, the apostle Paul uh, says that each person has been given a different measure of faith. So there's different measures. Now, the context of this is spiritual gifts. But there's a principle here that God deals faith. He gives faith to people. And as people, we're called to exercise that faith. And then we can see the, the, the outcome. Um, you know, friends, you have faith. You have been given faith. We are people of faith. But unless it's exercised, we're not going to see, uh, you know, the outwork and what God may want to do. Just a quick little testimony. Um, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Sabrina, just last month in July. And um, yeah. <laughs> and um, by the grace of God, we've been in a position to, to look at houses. And there's, there's been one house in particular for weeks and months um, we were really like, looking towards. And uh, we want a, a certain price. As you know, we want to, you know, like anything, you want to get as cheap as you can, right? And um, basically, they were just saying they're not going to change the price again and again. In the natural, you're thinking, what is going on? But we felt God spoke. This is the thing. We felt God actually say, you know, in our hearts, actually, no, just to keep going forward. You know, and it was like, ah, God's spoken. And then it's like, you've got different people saying this and that. And it's like, oh, what's going on? Why? You know, you, you feel you're wobbling and, and, and all sorts. But basically, God, 
God actually, through this whole process, I sort of something of when God has spoken a word, you just to hold on to it, despite what we see in the natural, because we're getting rejected again and again and again. We think, should we pay the extra money? Should we just get on with it? All right? Because it's tempting to. Do you think, well, let's just, come on, let's maybe, just like we see with Abraham and his, and his maidservant, go into Abraham, you know, let's, let's speed things up. It wasn't actually the right time. And anyway, we ended up getting to a position where they've actually changed the price even cheaper than what we were going to even want them to negotiate it towards. So we were just blown away by the faithfulness of God. Just stunned, really. You're just taken back. You're like, just to remind ourselves that... Uh, God is faithful, and perhaps today you're in a similar situation, particular relationship, uh, work opportunity, and you know God's spoken to you, and you've, you just know in your heart, yeah, He's spoken. But in the natural, you're not seeing like you know the evidence of that. And it wasn't two weeks later on uh, that we just got an email, and it just said, yeah. So just really grateful to the Lord for that. So we have that faith to not change the subject, just learn to pray through and, and wait on the Lord. And across this series, we looked at different heroes of faith, so ordinary women and women who took God at His word and prove God's faithfulness. Now, the purpose of the illustration, so Sammy, there's going to be a picture of an art gallery up on the screen. Now, I don't know if anyone knows where this art gallery is. Anyone recognise it from anywhere? National Gallery. Um, I don't even know where it is, actually. But <laughs> it probably is that one, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I thought it was just, like, just ran off from Google. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, basically, people, <laughs> people travel far and wide, don't they? Um, to just go and look at these portraits of people, places, objects, and so forth. And together, we're going to look closely at one of these portraits. So we've got like the heroes of faith, but we're going to, for the illustration, we see them as a portrait that we people look at and see, and maybe they get a tour guide, and you know, people just people travel hours to go and see people. Um, and we're going to realise that one of these cloud of witnesses is actually uh, far from perfect, uh, but he was used by God. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 32 to 38. It should be up on the screen as well. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so they might attain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn into, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destituted, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. So let's just pray. Father, we, we, we just... We just love being in your presence. We just thank you for that time of praise and worship, Lord, where we just remind ourselves again that you are Lord. Lord, thank you that our souls can sing. We can declare the victory that you, Jesus, have overcome. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your steadfast love that endures forever. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, you help me, Lord, assist me in, in, in delivering this message, Father. I pray our hearts will be open. We have ears to hear, eyes to see. Lord, we're here for you, Lord. Not for kind of not, This isn't a show, Lord. We're here to know you better, Lord, to see you clearer, Lord, to think rightly, Lord. I pray against where there's wrong thinking, Lord, where there are strongholds, where there are just wrong ways of doing things. Father, would you bring freedom? Would you bring truth, Lord, to our hearts, Lord? We're here to worship you, Lord, now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So these heroes of faith, well, the list, wow. Well, you know, there's, there's probably many ways we could go about this. Um, but basically, these guys were done with themselves. 
they were done with themselves. And we see the outworking of their faith. They were serving someone greater than themselves. They fully gave themselves up to God. Now, is this your story today? Could you join with these guys and, and actually say, yeah, I fully surrendered to the Lord in everything. You know, I'm, I'm going after Jesus. Or is there something stopping you from being all in for him? Perhaps you can identify something that can maybe just get in the way or something that your, 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 your sort of focus is kind of, you're jaded, you're kind of uh, looking to the Lord, but perhaps there's other things uh, going on as well. But is it more worthy than him? <laughs> Is anything more worthy than him, the, the, the immortal one, the immatchless one? Is there anything more worthy than him? There was a, there was a passage in, in, in Luke chapter 9 where there's a guy who asked, said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. But let me first go and um, say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, this, this fascinating, these fascinating words, no one after putting his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So we see this person who has some desire, interest to follow Jesus, but yet he's already preoccupied. He needs to say goodbye to his home. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying goodbye to people at home, but there's something here. God was, Jesus was just testing his heart. Like, what's really going on? Do you want to follow me? You know, where worldly concerns are upon our heart, what, what they do, they kind of can grip us and really take us away from uh, following Jesus with all our hearts. So maybe there is some things where you just know, I need to address this. You know, is it more worthy than him? Am I the one putting my hand to the plough and looking back? We don't want to be those who put our hands up and look back. Um, you know, and in this passage, there's not really time to go into who did what, um, because we could be here for, 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 for a long time. But what I will say, this teaching here that we read of, this, this scripture actually calls us, uh, us to call into question the teaching that Christianity is primarily about your health and wealth and prosperity. Have you heard of that prosperity gospel? It's, it's around, and uh, actually we see here, um, let's just, should we just go there? Verse 36, I'll just read it again. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn into, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destituted, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These are the people of faith, and this is what they're going through. They're obviously sharing in some sufferings of, you know, of Christ. This isn't uh, glitz and glamour that we read. Actually, we read in the New Testament as well. We had the Lamb's apostles were flogged. Stephen was stoned. Paul and Silas were beaten and imprisoned. The outcome of these people's obedience wasn't glitz and glamour. It wasn't. And yet we'll be, there's, there's teaching out there that is kind of saying, no, actually, it's about a self-serving gospel. It's about what God can do for you. Actually, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Can, so we can just see the teaching here. Like, this doesn't line up with Scripture. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, for us, obviously, we're not, you know, we can offer to pray for someone and they'll probably give us, a, they'll probably be thankful for it. But in other nations and places, actually, people are on their line for the faith, even just saying they're a Christian, you know, that's, that's certainly like going to be death. So for us, we don't, it doesn't touch us here, but what we are trying to say is, is like, no, 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 people of faith, this is the outcome. You share in the sufferings of Christ. You're going all the way for Jesus. And I don't know if all these people knew what they were going to, but they believed God because they were seeking a city that was to come. They were seeking a city that was to come. So this portrait we're going to look at today, because there's a few people that was listed so we're going to look at the life of Samson. So we're going to turn to Judges 13 today. So Judges 13. So Judges is in the Old Testament. Uh, it's just after Joshua, just before Ruth, about six or seven books in. Judges chapter 13. But just before we go into the book of Judges, what is, like, what's it about? Well, really, 
there's basically, what does it play in God's timeline? Well, we'll just go a little bit further. So we have Moses, who was a man chosen by God to uh, deliver Israel from the, deliver Israel from uh, the Egyptians. And, you know, they went through the Red Sea, you know, and he, he basically for years they were wandering around the desert. They weren't, they never actually got to the promised land because of the disobedience, the rebellion. And, you know, they were stiff-necked, it says, and it was just not really great. But it was one who came after, namely Joshua, who almost Moses passed on the baton, and Joshua was the one who gave Israel many victories, and um, he led them into the, to the promised land. And then the, the land was divided and so forth, so every tribe had their, their portion. Um, but Joshua spoke to the, to the people of Israel and said, guys, you need to remember not to, uh, you know, not, not to be with the other nations. You need to, I'm going to drive the rest of them out, but don't intermingle. You know, don't, don't even associate with them. This, you're my people. And basically, it was a really spiritually gross cycle because they didn't actually listen to the Lord. It was said in, in the book of Judges 2 that actually when Joshua died and that generation after him died, uh, the next generation did not know the Lord. So really they were following after other gods and then again they just really disobeyed God and then God had to raise up judges to deliver and redeem uh, Israel and Samson was one of them. So it just means that as, as, as people that are divided heart, we'll, we'll find us out. If we are uh, kind of, again, unless we're looking about putting our hands to the plough, if we are kind of somewhat in and somewhat out, God says, you know, if you're, if you're lukewarm, I'll, I'll spit you out of my mouth. And it's, it's quite a frightening statement from the Lord, but there's a sense where our allegiance is to be all in uh, for him. And these judges can be likened to types of Christ. So a foreshadowing, so a type we could say, for a definition, would be an Old Testament foreshadowing of a New Testament spirituality. So we hear, that we look at Samson now and how he was a type of someone else to come. But Samson, he was probably one of the mightiest of judges because no other judge had the Spirit of the Lord come upon him as much as Samson. So, Judges 13, we're going to read verses 1 to 5. I'm going to get a little bit of a backdrop about Samson's life and his calling, and then we'll go into our points. Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and born no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Now therefore be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and the razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So here we see that an angel visits a barren woman and says, you're going to have a child. And there's a specific mode of life, there's specific instructions. Namely, he's going to be a Nazarite, uh, Nazar- not Nazarite, um, yeah, Nazarite to God, actually, not Nazarene. Um, Nazarite to God, which basically means someone who is set apart for, for God. And this child that God was going to give to this barren woman was going to deliver Israel from the Philistines, uh, from their enemies at the time. And just a little side note, the only other angel visitation uh, we read of in the Old Testament where an angel declares of a birth to a child is of uh, when Isaac was born to Sarah, and she was also barren. And we also read in the New Testament of another woman um, who was visited by an angel and there was going to be a child to her, namely John the Baptist, and Elizabeth herself was also barren. Now, it seems to me that God likes to intervene in humanly impossible situations. These women were barren, and yet God said, you're going to have a child. Um, and there's no people amongst us that can testify of that in the room, where they've said, no, you're barren. No, actually, God opens up the womb. 
verse 24 of chapter 13. So we're just going to go there now. So we see in a bit of Samson's kind of call, he's, he's got to kind of live a certain way. This is because he's an offering to God. And verse 24 says, so there's a bit of a dialogue between there with the angel and then uh, Manoah and his wife. And uh, verse 24 says, And the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew up and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Manhanadan between Zorah and Eshtal. So here we see that the blessing of the Lord was upon Samson from an early age. Don't we see this in Jesus' life? That he grew in stature and favor with God and man. That God was, he was increasing in wisdom. Here we see from a very early age, Samson was being stirred by the Lord. Because he was being prepared to deliver Israel. He had a particular calling upon himself. But Samson, we're going to read from verse, uh, uh, chapter 14, verse 1. Samson didn't stand still with his stirrings. Uh, it says in 14, verse 1, Then Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. So he came back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all your people that you go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she looks good to me. <laughs> Think about that. Get her for me, she looks good. Just get her for me. That's just... It's crazy. <laughs> However, his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord, uh, for he was seeking an occasion to get the Philistines. Now, at that time, the Philistines were ruling over Israel. Samson, he had a stirring, he responded. Perhaps there's things that God's been stirring in you that maybe you haven't responded to yet. Now, where there are stirrings of the Lord, there has to be a response from us. Samson went down to Timnah. He went down. Now, his obviously mother and father didn't realize, but Samson knew what was going on. He, need, he wanted to get into the Philistines. He was, God was already preparing his heart. And there's things today, perhaps uh, places, city, town, villages, to leave your house, to sell it up and go to another place. Maybe there's different things that God has clearly spoken, but they do require a response. I mean, what, 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 is, what does the Lord have in store for you next? It's good to, as we see from Samson's life, to not uh, be passive and stand still, that God is on the move. And we want to join in him with his, with, in, in his slipstream. Now, time would actually fail if I was to speak on the whole life of Samson. But I want to say a few things about him. He was an unusually consecrated man of God. One, one way, particularly, he had an extraordinary physical strength. You know, he was able to tear a lion to pieces with his bare hands. Now, what a story, hey, that you could be able to tear a lion with your bare hands. I suppose if you, were, you, know, if you had that kind of bragging rights, that would be great. People would want to be around you, wouldn't they? Wow, you can do this. Um, he took hold of the doors of his city gate, posts and bars on his shoulder and carries them off a mountain, just, just as you do, right? He propounded riddles, lived in the cleft of a rock. A bit of a strange guy. And it, you, think, you think about it in the, in the Bible, God uses and calls particular, just strange people. Um, Samson performed acts of righteousness. He experienced mockings and scourgings, chains and imprisonment, some of the lists that we were reading about earlier. He knew incredible strength, but he also knew incredible meekness. And he was far from a perfect man. Just to say a few things, he manipulated women. He sees a prostitute and sleeps with her and goes on his way. He goes and kills 30 men to pay off a debt he himself had made. Um, he, told women, he told lies to the women he loved. He became proud because of his power. He despised his calling as a Nazarite. His life was far from perfect, far from perfect. But yet God's hand was upon him. And we're going to read how God actually fulfills his purposes through this man who was in some ways double-minded and just doing his own thing as well. And sometimes as, 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 as Christians as well, we too can kind of, uh, sometimes we just find ourselves like that as well. But yet God is still, uh, as we, you know, we sing about, he's faithful, faithful to us. Which brings on to our first point today. 
is that remaining sin does not disqualify you from serving God. Remaining sin does not disqualify you from serving God. So what do I mean by remaining sin? Well, whilst we live in these bodies, we all face these daily battles uh, against sin because Jesus yeah, died for us, for our sins. He's removed it, removed our sin. As far as God's concerned, he does not see us in sin. Hallelujah. But yet in our bodies, we're facing this decay where there is corruption within and if we were to walk with these corruptions and yield to them, we find ourselves like, well, what happened here? But God's given us the provision of his Holy Spirit, so we no longer have to live by these corruptions. It was from, you know, original sin, from Adam's disobedience in the garden, from one man's sin entered into the world. You know, we're, being, we're unable to serve God. Our nature is opposed to righteousness. Samson himself, his nature, he was just a man like us. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, but he still, as we read about, he still was falling short. He was still uh, getting things wrong in the sight of God. But the Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we'd live after righteousness. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And as Paul says in Romans 6, if we don't continue in sin so grace may abound, how shall we who died to sin... We died to sin. How should we live in it any longer? But I want to encourage us today that though we do wrestle with indwelling sin, and we, we can say, yeah, there's things that we struggle, but do not let it keep you from serving God. You know, our past, your past miseries do not disqualify you. Your present distresses do not disqualify you either. Because the truth is that the blood of Jesus has been shed, and his blood is speaking better things over us. So have you applied that gospel remedy to your life? As in, have you continually reminded yourself of the gospel, of the good news? Where there's ways in which God is calling you into, but you say, actually, no, I'm, I need to sort this out first. Yeah, maybe there'll be some things to sort out, but the truth of the matter is God will still use you in, in our mess, in our brokenness, in our, in, in our areas of struggle. God will still use us. Samson, though, he did not respect the anointing upon his life. He was gifted, but graceless. How we want to be people of character, not just about gifting. We love spiritual gifts. We love exercising gifts. Hey? We love to see it. But we also want to be people of character, people that uh, bear much fruit, people that uh, work on the inner person, the inner heart, where we can, we can not just be gifted, uh, but actually we can be graced as well. And we want to have the both. And we, don't, we see Samson's life. It was chaotic. It was uh, pretty crazy and impulsive. And yet he still was gifted by God. But it shows that, Lord, help us to be people of character as well. Um, this was God's man for the job. Was Samson qualified in the natural? Was his life in line with the law of God? Was he blameless in all his ways? No, certainly not. But it was the grace of God magnified through Samson's life. You know, so when the serpent of old, when, when the enemy comes knocking at your door and speaks lies to you about God and telling you that you're not fit to serve God, why don't you remind your soul, as we've been doing this morning, that in its time of trouble, what God has accomplished for you in Christ. We remind ourselves, this is what we do as Christians, we remind ourselves again and again and again what Christ has done. We keep telling ourselves the gospel again and again and again because you know what happens? A day can go, another day can go, and you realise, actually, why am I here? I've forgotten what Jesus has done because we can get swept into the current of this world. The truth is, God wants you and I to part with him on the earth. He wants us to partner with him. The unlikely people, eh? when we think of ourselves, we're not that impressive. Eh? We're just, you know, Lord knows what we're like, but yet he's mindful of our frame. He knows we're but dust. But yet there's things in which he's called people into this room to be getting on with. And it requires a response from us. Brings on to our second point today is from weakness made strong. So how did Samson even get himself in this book? Well, we can recognize some of the things that he experienced. But, but by faith, what, when did he actually call out to God? At the moment, it seems to be like he's just kind of 
God's kind of bringing him through some things, but he's kind of, you know, his behaviour, how he's acted, actually hasn't lined up with actually how we see righteousness. So Judges 15, verses 14 to 20, I'm going to read there, if you've got your Bibles as well, to go to that passage, uh, verse 14. And just before then, to give you a bit of context, Samson basically has kind of gave a riddle, and um, his riddle's been found out. Uh, This woman he was with was nagging him and telling him, just tell me, and basically he ended up, you know, weak and just ended up telling uh, what happened. And basically, he wants to go see his wife, uh, basically, but she's been handed over to another person because her father thought, well, I thought you hated her. And basically, he's really just upset and he's gone and basically burned all the Philistines' crops. He get, catches some foxes, he gets, you know, burns their tails and they go into the crops. And it's uh, quite an unusual way of uh, taking out the, the Philistines' crops um, using foxes. But um, again, the people of God, they're uh, peculiar people. Um, and this is where it gets really interesting, guys, because the men of Judah, now Judah are part of the tribes of Israel, and they're going to Samson and saying, and finding him in the cleft of the rock and saying, what are you doing? Why, why are you causing this? Do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? This is Judah. This is Israel. Do you not know that they're rulers over us? Something has gone really wrong when the people of God are saying, no, our enemies are ruling over us. And it's basically Samson said, okay, if you don't kill me, I'll come with you. So then Judah, go and take Samson to the Philistines. From verse 14. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted as they met him. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that the ropes that were on his arms were as flax that is burned with fire. And his bonds dropped from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. So he reached out and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have killed a thousand men. When he had finished speaking, he threw that jawbone from his hand, and he named the place Ramath Lehi. Then he became very thirsty, and he called to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? But God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, so that the water water came out of it. When he drank, his strength returned, and he revived. Therefore he named it En-Hakori, which is Lehi to this day. So he judged Israel 20 years in the day of the Philistines. So we see Samson's extraordinary strength. The spirit of the Lord came upon him. He's got a jaw of a donkey bone and he kills a thousand men with it. You're thinking, well, surely they could have kind of circled him. But really we see just extraordinary power. Um, Again, this is just snippets of God bringing that deliverance. Just bits by bits by bits. Even in Samson's mess, uh, Samson's life, he's still, God was still working out his purposes. He was still a man, though. He still you know, he became tired. He knew weakness, being close to death after a great victory. And what do we see? Samson, he called to the Lord when he was dying. By faith, Samson called to the Lord when he was dying, and God split the hollow of the rock. So Samson knew, in his, his, knew his weakness. He said, you know, I need to call to the Lord now, so I'm going to die. And uh, sometimes there are times where we, 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 all we can do is cry out to God. Say, Lord, help me. Have mercy on me. Lord, help me. And God responded. God split the hollow of the rock. He drank, and his strength returned, and he revived. And as we were here in a bit earlier, we too need to come back to the fountains of living water, don't we? For refreshing and then energizing again and again. And Samson knew his weakness, being made strong by God, as he called out to God. Now, you may not be dying of thirst here this morning. If you are, there are jugs of water at the back. I would go there now. I don't want to see anyone passing out. It wouldn't be, <laughs> wouldn't be great. Um, but sometimes we find that God delays his strength towards us. 
Now, what do I mean by this? Sometimes there's uh, almost like, as, so for instance, we're here and God's here, right? Um, sometimes, right, there's a sense where God is kind of almost stepping back, but he's, he's, he's drawing us into a new, a new place in him. That there's deeper places in God. There's greater revelation in him. And sometimes there is a sense where, well, God hasn't, is he strengthened me? Like, what's going on? Why am I feeling this weakness? And that actually there are times where God is trying to, uh, causing us a greater dependency on him. But we learn to trust him more. And he takes us in deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, we come into the throne room of grace. You know, maybe we only go so far and we're from a distance. But God is wanting to teach us as his people to bring us closer to him. Where we're just, we're just, we're just putting on him and saying, Lord, here I am. And there's sometimes there are delays. So maybe you're in a session today where God's, God, I'm crying out with my weakness. I'm bringing my weakness. Seems to be delaying. But God is trying, often at times, God is trying to teach us to utterly depend on him. Um, you know, you, perhaps you can identify some area today. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. So if you haven't asked, I would encourage you to ask. But we need to continue to bring our weakness to God. For the Bible says then when we're weak, uh, then we're strong. And just a quick little story. Well, I remember a time where I was just I used to cover my weakness. You know, I, I just emotionally just not dealing with things, just really with sad and um, just kind of, all of it, you know, I just want to eat the sweeties and stuff. And what, what happens was I was trying to cover something. I was trying to cover some pain. I didn't know how to draw near to God in this area. I was, my mind was all over the place. And God had to bring me through something where I actually had to just almost like give up from my own self. Sometimes we do a lot in our own strength and we find not a lot is done because <laughs> we're never made to live in our own strength. Only the Spirit of God can help us to overcome these things. And I remember for, for months, even some years, it was just an ongoing battle. Sometimes it was, there were seasons where it was really tough. And, um, but just God eventually bringing me through and realizing that actually, yeah, in our, in our weakness, we're called to really like, uh, almost ask, continue to keep knocking and knocking and knocking. And what it's done, it's brought about that greater dependency on him. So I realized now, actually, I don't have that same desire anymore. So I realized, actually, no, I don't need to try. I don't need to strive in this. No, God, you've, you've given the victory. And through reckoning myself dead to sin, but alive to God, I saw a breakthrough. And that's what we do, don't we? We reckon ourselves dead to sin, alive to God. Perhaps there's an area today where you know that you're, you're in it, you're in the battle. Maybe you're falling, but the Bible says the righteous man falls seven times and he rises again. Let's get back up on our feet. Let's keep running after Jesus because he is faithful. So, second time that Samson called out to the Lord. So I'm going to go to Sam, uh, Judges chapter 16, verses 23 to 30. And... Here we see, we come to the end of uh, Samson's life. He basically, just a little bit of a story before that, he basically, he falls in love with a woman uh, called Delilah, who's uh, one of the Philistine women. And he, again, he ends up playing around. He, he just kind of, he ends up telling her, her sec- his secret, that he's a Nazarite, um, because she was offered some money, and she kept nagging again and again and again and again. And for some reason, Samson was quite kind of confident. He was kind of saying, no, if, if you just do this, then I will lose my power. If you do this, and three times. So I don't know what Samson was getting on with, but he, he was quite a trickster. And basically, she kept nagging and nagging and nagging and nagging, and he gave up. And um, it's really messy, really it's tragic. He, he, he basically he gets his hair shaved off, and it says that the Lord departed from him. So that's, that's very bad, the Lord departing from you. Um, and he gets his eyes gorged out, he gets into a prison, and it's just not looking good for Samson. Um, again, he t- told, his, told his secret of what he was, again, not respecting his calling. Um, so verse 23 of chapter 16 to 30, it says, Now the lords of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, the god, uh, their gods, I should say, and to rejoice. For they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hands. 
When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hands, even the destroyer of our country, who has slain many of us. It so happened that when they were in high spirits, that they said, Call for Samson that he may amuse us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he entertained them. And they made him stand between the pillars. Then Samson said to the boy who was holding his hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean up against them. Now the house was full of uh, men and women, and the lords of the Philistines were there, and about 3,000 men and women were on the roof, looking on while Samson was amusing them. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me just this time, O God, that I maybe at once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rests and braced himself against them, the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bent with all his might so that the house fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed in his life. By faith, Samson called to the Lord in his dying moments uh, for strength to deliver himself from the Philistines. And God strengthened him. Samson, though he was incredibly strong, uh, again, knew incredible weakness. Again, despised his calling, his hair shaved off. Tragic situation. But it's interesting because Samson said, let, uh, he doesn't say to keep his life, let, let me die with the Philistines. Now his motives may have been a bit mixed because he was saying, I, I want to I do it because my eyes have been gorged out. Maybe it wasn't for the glory of God. And sometimes we find actually our motives can be mixed in serving God. We say, well, it's the glory of God. But actually this, again, we're talking about that indwelling corruption, that there are times where we realise actually, Lord, I've got... I want to, but there's, there's this battle and we have to just realise that we will have mixed motives in serving God. And God knows that. God knows that. The Philistines praised their, their god Dagon, this human-made idol, for uh, bringing uh, Samson into their hands. He was made a public spectacle before them. You know, he's got two pillars. He's standing before them. He's amusing them. You know, with Samson, the Philistines were making this statement that Dagon had beaten Jehovah, uh, their god, and therefore, Dagon was mightier than the God of Israel. But as we we're going to read on, God has, and we'll always have the final word. Samson offered himself up to God to destroy his enemies and bring deliverance to his people. His natural weaknesses and limitations being made strong for a significant moment in time. Here we see Samson did actually fulfill his call. You know, I'm sure that when we, you know, in heaven, he, good and faithful servant, he, he, he did, uh, you know, do what God had asked for him. But this was only a temporal deliverance, after all. As I said, other judges were raised up. And all through the timeline of God, men and women served the purpose of God in their generation. But Samson died, Gideon died, Abraham died, Moses died, Joshua died. All these people that we've been going through these last few series, they all died. These heroes of the faith, these portraits had run their race. But there is one who would come, and in fact has come, that would bring about a greater deliverance. Which brings us on to our third and final point, which is keeping Christ in sight. Keeping Christ in sight. Now, Tim Virgo is going to conclude our series next week. Uh, so I hope to just appetise ourselves for that. Uh, it's obviously going to be a great feast. No pressure, uh, Tim. Um, but what, what we want to say is, is that these heroes of the faith, these portraits, were never given to be sensual in our hearts. Because that place is, just belongs to Christ. They were never given to be sensual. It belongs to Christ. But there's things that we can learn, of course. There's things that we can be aware of and say, actually, well, we don't want to you know, imitate this. But there's things that we can imitate at the same time. But Christ, Christ is the greater Samson in that he brings about this eternal deliverance from God's enemies and his church, from sin and death and the power and grip and grasp of Satan upon our lives. It says in Colossians 2, verse 14 to 15, that speaking of Jesus, that he, having cancelled out the certificate of debt, 
consistent of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he's taken out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Here we see Christ, having been nailed to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. And uh, the great theologian of old Martin Luther says this, it's going to come up on the screen. So this is in his Galatian le- lectures of 1531. Uh, Luther repeated a theme he used for over a decade, that of the magnificent duel between Christ and Satan, in which Christ resisted Satan's power and won a victory over the law, sin, our flesh, the world, the devil, hell, and all evils. And this victory of his he has given to us. Even though these tyrants, our enemies, accuse us and terrify us, they cannot drive us into despair or condemn us. For Christ, whom God the Father raised from the dead, is victor over them, and he is our righteousness. This victory of the Saviour means that he takes away the law, kills my sin, destroys my death in his body, and in this way empties hell, judges the devil, crucifies him, and throws him down into hell. In other words, everything that wants you to torment and oppress me, Christ has set aside. He has disarmed it and made a public example of it, triumphed over it in himself. Couldn't put it a better way, that... Our enemies, that those who use a torment and oppress us, Christ has once and for all triumphed over our enemies. Hallelujah. So we're looking to keep Christ in sight. We're reminded across this series that we have a heavenly home, that we are going somewhere. We are strangers and aliens. We are exiles on the earth. God has provided something better for us. You know, we bring Christ into all our endeavors, trusting in his mercies and his shepherding to lead us through. And in John 17, Jesus says to his, uh, to his father of his disciples that they are not of the world even as I'm not of the world. Do you know that you're not of the world? The Bible tells us to keep ourselves unstained from the world, unspotted, to not be conformed to this world, uh, to not love the world or the things of the world. So we're people that have been brought into the world, but we have a race to run. The world is passing away and also it's lust, the Bible says, but the one who fulfills uh, the will of God shall live forever. So... We are keeping Christ in sight. We are keeping this idea that even our limitations and even our, even, even our mess, let, let us not keep us from serving God. Let's keep bringing our weakness to him. So when we keep you know, our, our eyes fixed on Jesus, we will become more impressed with him, his beauty, his loveliness, his majesty, his splendor. And the things of this world will go strangely dim. They do. And we have to keep reminding ourselves to, to keep looking to him because no one can serve two masters. Perhaps where is your allegiance today? Is your allegiance to Christ or is it to this world? The world has nothing for us. This world is passing away. The world, it says it will just fade away. But we as Christians, and perhaps today you would say, I haven't made that decision to follow Christ. There will be an opportunity to make that decision. I say, I urge you, the day of salvation is today. The day of salvation is today. Christ has returned home. I've been raised from the dead. I sent him back to the Father. Christ has gone and prepared a place for us. Our life is his life, our body is his body. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says, the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. There's a sense of oneness that God is praying in that John 17 passage, but also for us that we are to uh, you know, further realise what that looks like and understand that. So let us press on, keeping Christ in sight, knowing we have a better and lasting possessions, shape our lives around him and what he wants to do. God has provided something better for us. So we've looked at three things, guys. Do not let your sin disqualify you from serving God. If God's spoken things over your life, bring, back, bring up the archives of prophetic words. What's God said? Where am I at with these things? Also, again, it's okay to be weak, but in our weakness, let's bring it to him and let's see God's strength come through. And that in the whole, our whole life, isn't it all just to keep Christ in sight, this whole book of people of faith? They, though they were in another timeline, but they were an example for us to keep our eyes on Jesus, 
that we make, diff- we make these decisions, just like loads of us here have, have, have made decisions to give money to this building because we could have spent it on houses, cars, or different things, perhaps, or different business endeavours, but you've put money, you've put, tre- you put your treasures, you're saying, no, my treasure in heaven. And look who we see, and this is the, uh, the outworking of that, and the great sacrifices that have been made. And you know, none of this is not in vain. We're storing up ourselves treasures in heaven. It is real. It's just Jesus is alive. He's, he's seated in heaven. We sing about him. We love him and worship him. So with the band, just want to play a final song. But there's just a few things just, uh, just to respond uh, to Jesus today. Um, firstly was, Samson went down to Timnah. He responded to the stirrings. And I just feel today they're all... There are people here today that haven't responded to the stirrings or perhaps haven't, haven't really just kind of, you know, came back to what God has spoken in their lives and the things that God's called them into. And I would really encourage you to uh, go and speak to someone. I'd, I'd receive prayer. I'd bring someone else into it and just say, no, how am I doing with this? You know, this is what God has spoken. Let's bring it back up. Let's not let's let these things squash. Um, Samson responded. He went down to Timnah and, you know, he, he was doing it because he knew this is what God was saying. To do, even when other people didn't realise what he was doing. And today as well, if you're not a Christian here today, you're so, you know, it's really good to have you here. Like, um, I don't know what you've thought of coming into this building, maybe you've been here for a few times, but we're, we're, people, of, we're people that love Jesus, and Jesus has changed our lives. And um, he, he's, he's in the business of doing that to anyone who would come near to him. Again, as we're going to play in this final song. I urge you to, to respond if you've just sensed, no, why, what am I doing? Am I, maybe you see there's areas in Samson's life where you're like, well, I don't really live up to like anything of, of God, but that's okay because it's not in our righteousness that we come, but it's in the righteousness of Christ. Perhaps today it'll be an opportunity to, uh, for you to step forward. It doesn't matter about anyone else doing the room. This is business between you and God. Forget the surroundings. You're doing business with you and God. And the final point today... Um, if there's anybody in the room that is uh, in pain, if there's sickness in the body, maps from this morning, uh, the last few weeks, or someone that's been ongoing, whilst the, um, the band will play in a second, but if there's anyone in pain today, do you want to just raise your hand up? If there's a particular illness or condition that you do have um, that you know you've been struggling with, there's one, two, yeah, three. So what I'm going to do, guys, can we just all just pray together for God's breakthrough over their lives just right here right now if that is you, do you just keep your hand raised we don't need to kind of crowd or anything but we're just going to pray, pray for you guys here Father we just, uh, we just love you and worship you, thank you for your, your word and Father we just you see every hand that's raised up, even those downstairs Lord who are, who are uh, not with us right now Father we just pray for, for breakthrough in their lives we pray for healing in Jesus' name Lord whether it's back pain, skin conditions, Lord, uh, joints out of place, ligament damage, Father, in Jesus' name, just pray, Holy Spirit, come now and minister to hearts, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. Just say you're amazing, Lord. Come and minister. We, we ask again, Lord, we believe you're here with us, Lord. We trust you. We love you. Come, Lord, where there's shoulders, Lord, shoulder pain, we just ask it to leave now in Jesus' name. Every bit of pain embodies, Father, in Jesus' name leave right now in Jesus' name just thank you Lord thank you Lord and Father we just thank you for uh, who you are Lord we love you Lord we, we see in our own lives how we fall short Lord of, of the glory of God but Lord your grace is enough your grace is sufficient I pray Holy Spirit 
as we've heard from your word this morning, where people need to respond, where people need to receive prayer. Pray, Lord, that you just tenderly, just gently, just remind them to go forward, Lord. We love you. We bless you. So it's all about you, Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in Ipswich, Lord, and the nations as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.